the Old Testament reading for this Good Friday from the prophet Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, verses 4 through 6 and 11 through 12. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of our Lord. Ever since the sin of Adam and Eve, we have all been guilty. We have all been in that state of guilt, that state of sinfulness, Even in our mother's womb, we were born into this condition. And there's not a lot of change. There's not a lot we can do to undo that status. We can't work our way out of sin. The only way that we, who are sinners, can be made righteous or made holy is if God is to do something. And there in the Garden of Eden, God promised to do something. God acted there in the Garden of Eden. He killed some of his own creation. Blood was shed when he provided for Adam and Eve leather skins so that they could cover their shame. And as the story the story of God working in his creation continued. God continued to point them to hope, a hope for their sinful condition. God told Eve that one day her offspring would crush the head of Satan. Further along in the story, God provided a means for the people that their sins could be atoned for, that their sins could be placed on animals. Those animals would be offered up in sacrifice, and they would be declared righteous. God did this. It was a means of atonement. There's also one other part of the Old Testament sacrificial system that God provided for. It's called the scapegoat. See, in one of these ceremonies for the Day of Atonement, the high priest was to lay his hands on the head of a goat and confess over it the sins of the people. 
Then that goat was led out to a desolate area far from the Israelite camp. And that goat, symbolically, was carrying the sins of the people out into the wilderness. What we just heard, the prophet Isaiah was was prophesying in what we call the suffering servant song. He was saying that the Lord's Messiah would be that same kind of scapegoat. The Messiah would be the perfect lamb of sacrifice, but on his head, the Lord himself would lay the iniquity of us all. And then that silent, suffering lamb would be led outside of the city and slaughtered on a cross-shaped altar. Not for any sin of his own, but for our sin. But in his anguish, because he poured out his soul to death, the innocent lamb would see and be satisfied. He would finish the work that he had come to do, and he would be satisfied with the result of his saving work. Because of his suffering and death, because of what Jesus has done, we are righteous, without guilt, without shame, without fault in the sight of God. All of this was accomplished in Jesus Christ, our Savior, that one who was pierced for our transgressions, that one who was crushed for our iniquities. See, as Isaiah said, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And it's with his wounds that we are healed. We who are sinful from conception, sinful from birth, are made clean because Jesus took our sins upon himself. Amen. The epistle reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. This is the word of our Lord. You're probably all too familiar with the angry arguments on social media. Maybe even with the stress of our situation, you've even joined in some of them. And maybe you have been a part of those heated exchanges. People challenge and mock 
and ridicule those whose opinions and beliefs are different than their own. People will often say in print, online, what they would not dare to say to someone face to face. As Jesus hung helpless on the cross, the soldiers, the priests, the other religious leaders, even the criminals crucified beside him taunted and ridiculed him to his face. They challenged him to prove that he was the Messiah by coming down from the cross. If he had saved so many others, why didn't he save himself? They mocked his trust. They mocked his faith in his heavenly Father, saying, He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. Yet Jesus did not join in. He did not return their insults and ridicule. He did not revile those who reviled him or threaten those who had nailed him to that awful tree. What did he do instead? He prayed. He prayed that they would be forgiven. He bore their sins and yours and mine in his own body on that cross. Jesus was mocked for trusting God, but he continued to do so even during those dreadful hours. He entrusted himself to his heavenly Father, His Father had sent him on a mission to achieve our salvation, and Jesus completed that mission. He finished the work that he came to do. And so it's by his wounds that we are healed. For those moments when we get into those heated exchanges, for those moments when we say to someone, maybe not to their face, but behind their back, things that we know are wrong. We are healed when our tongue, that mighty dagger, that mighty weapon, lashes out and attacks the people around us. We are healed by his wounds. And God gives us an example his example, that we would be a people who would follow in his steps, that we would not hate our enemies, but we would love them, and that like Jesus, we too would pray for those who persecute us. We can't do that. We can't do that on our own, but as We have been healed by his wounds. That same spirit that was at work in Jesus, God's son, is given to us, God's own sons and daughters. Amen. The Holy Gospel reading for Good Friday comes from Matthew's Gospel, the 27th chapter, verses 32 through 54. 
As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry Jesus' cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch of him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son of God. This is the gospel of our Lord. One of Jesus' own disciples betrayed him and handed him over to the priests and to those other religious rulers who had plotted his death. When the Savior was arrested, the rest of the disciples deserted him. They fled the scene. The leader of those disciples, Peter, he, he swore that he never even knew Jesus. The Jewish, the Jewish ruling council, which had an unjust trial, they condemned their own Messiah to death. As the disciple John would later write, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. 
And now Jesus is there. He's hanging as a beaten, suffering victim on the cross. And he cries out in the words of a psalm, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His heavenly father abandoned his son to the pain and suffering of the cross. He left him hanging there. He let him die because that's the purpose for which Jesus had come. For our sake, Paul wrote, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. On Jesus were laid all the sins of the world, from the sins of Adam and Eve to the sin that will be committed on the last day of this world's history. All of your sins and my sins, all of the guilt and the shame, Jesus took it all. For those sins, Jesus was judged, condemned, and he suffered the penalty of death that we earned. The the Father, the Heavenly Father, turned his face away from his sin-burdened Son. But we know, we know that our Heavenly Father will never turn his face away from us. Because on the third day after Jesus' death, the Father's face was turned once more to His Son as He raised Him up from death. When Jesus died, the heavy curtain that hid the holiest place of the temple, that place of God's presence, was torn in two. A new, eternal curtain now hangs in its place, a curtain that is the flesh of the crucified and risen Son of God. Whatever your fear, or guilt, or grief, through Jesus Christ, you have immediate access to the throne room of heaven. You have the blessing of God the Father, whose face is turned to you in love and in mercy, now and for all eternity. And as the Lord's face is turned toward you, maybe you can hear again, Here again, very familiar words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.